Hi, I'm Darren Fox, Chief Research Officer and Principal Consultant at HFL, and this is the Fast Leader Leadership Podcast for Frontline Managers. Today, we are talking about trust and the role that you as a manager have in building or eroding the trust in your team. We're going to talk about the benefits of moving from average trust to high trust, and then the actions you can take as a manager to build it. Specifically, we're going to be talking about your communications. Joining us today is Paul Matthews, who is a communicator, mentor, and coach. He works with managers to help them engage employees and build trust. He's also an author. I haven't worked with Paul, but I know him because he's a fellow co-author in our recent book, What the Hell Do We Do Now?, available in Amazon. And it's about how organizations and leadership may need to change in a post-COVID world. Paul says that trust is like rocket fuel. It's a catalyst that helps leaders achieve more and go further, faster on change and innovation, and that if you can't communicate, then you can't lead, as this is the most significant part of the role. And to add to his author credentials, Paul has a new book coming out this month called Switch, From Telling to Trusting. Thank you, Paul, for joining us today. Thanks, Darren. I'm delighted to be here. Excellent. So, Paul, I thought we start off just in talking about what might be the obvious in terms of why is trust so important? What are the effects of trust on team performance or engagement or other aspects of the team? Yeah, it's a good question. And look, my thinking around this is that trust really is what humanizes us at work. It helps remove those kind of transactional elements from working in a bureaucracy or in an organization. When we see somebody's character, or authenticity, or we see them as human, we connect much more with them. And so we trust them more. When we do that, it's like you said in my introduction, it builds a better relationship. And so trust in that sense is a catalyst. As a leader, it's important because trust actually unlocks the relationship in your team. People that might otherwise have their barriers up will actually be much more forgiving and more giving of ideas and their time. In that sense, leaders with trust can ask for more from their team, but they really have to ask for more because employees are very committed to give more. And it's important because when we have a trust relationship with our team, we're inclined to have much more ideas. Employees are more likely to take ownership of problems or projects. They're much more committed. You work much closer as a team and generally you're more aligned. And, you know, all those are really important to manage into a team, but has COVID made building trust a bigger priority than ever for managers, or is it still fundamentally the same? Well, I firstly think that building trust is always a priority for managers, Mm -hmm. but I would say COVID has created the need for more trust because of how typically we're working now. So with remote work, for example, managers have no option but to trust that employees are doing the right thing because we're all separated, right? Mm. But we're also in difficult times. So building trust is much more important because we want to empathize. And empathy is a big driver of trust. It's not always easy if you haven't trusted before. So focusing on trust has become more important during COVID. But what has become really obvious, Darren, is that if you already had trust in your team, Mm -hmm. this year has been much easier. And as I said before, it helps us change more rapidly bounce back from issues or mistakes. I'm writing a book, as you said, it's called Switch from Telling to Trusting. And one of the chief executives I interviewed for the book is called John, John Banfield. He's the CEO of BPay. 
and he invests his time listening to employees and building trusting relationship. He's really committed to humanizing how he leads and how he manages. Mm. And he actually said that responding to COVID this year has been easy for his business because of the trusting relationships he's had. Now, I've not heard many CEOs say it's been easy, but at the crux, at the center of how he leads is trust building. So does it go the other way then? If you, before COVID, had a team environment of low trust, does that make building trust remotely much more difficult? Yeah, I would say so. So if you didn't trust your boss when you're sat in an office or working in retail nine to five or, you know, seeing them all day, every day, why are you going to trust them more when you're working remotely and looking at them over Zoom? It's almost like you've got to start afresh, new environment, new dynamic. So therefore, you could imply or assume then that building trust in your team is just good from a, I hate to call it this, but a risk management perspective. It does prepare you better when a crisis does come. That foundation of trust is going to make you more effective as a team. Absolutely. And that's why I call it rocket fuel, because if you have it in the tank ready, you're in a better position no matter what happens. Okay, excellent. So I think a lot of managers, they don't consciously think about trust or building trust. They just sort of think it happens magically. So no. imagine that there is, you probably have a better term for it, this idea of average trust, where everyone is decent and uh, working with each other. But what is actually happening? What do people observe if they're working in an environment of high trust? What is actually happening in those teams? Yeah, so trusting conversations are the difference between what is happening where there is high trust and, you know, average or below trust. So looking at the high trust team environment, Mm -hmm. there's much more two-way conversations between frontline managers or managers generally and their teams. So managers are more open to asking in a high trust environment, and they're more inclined in an average environment to be telling in their mindset and that comes back to my sense of I want managers to switch from telling to trusting Mm -hmm. and I'll give you a really good example I was speaking earlier in the year to Alex Goriachev who is the MD of innovation for Cisco they're one of the world's biggest IT providers and he sees trust as making the difference between the culture of breathtaking innovation with this high trust or compliance and stagnation. Mm -hmm. And you can see that even saying those words, there's a sense that, you know, breathtaking trust is somewhere which is a proactive environment, which allows you to share and encourage initiative, but also to have an element of candor so that you can speak your mind and that there's a sharing of ideas and an openness. I'm seeing high trust environments have a mindset in their managers of inclusion and they're empowering. So it comes back to a psychologically safe place for employees to be free to have or share opinions. Mm -hmm. And a manager, no matter what level, having that mindset that every opinion matters enables employees to have crazy or even mundane ideas. They're all relevant. And yeah, and so in the average environment, it's much more around a passive environment where leaders aren't trusted because they're telling people what to do. So that, in a sense, reduces team performance. So when we tell somebody, creates a reaction in the brain, shuts them down, and they stop giving their ideas. So in that sense, trust can limit 
or lift performance and effort. Mm. And in those environments where we're not trusting managers that don't ask and are more inclined to tell, for example, they're probably following the rules, they're creating a compliance culture. Employees are doing what they're told, which is not fun for anyone. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. So I was working with a general manager of environment and safety in a utility, and she was leading a quite a big team and her focus was on making sure everyone followed the rules, creating a compliance culture. But in so doing, they kept presenting her with problems to solve. So she didn't trust them to solve them. And I was coaching her. And we talked a lot about culture that created in her team. She wasn't open to ideas. She enforced the rules. And so mm. we talked about her letting go. So asking more than telling, which not just liberated her from the problems, it also liberated her team to take more ownership and enabled them to step mm. up and achieve more. Yeah, excellent. I've just got a very recent example as well. It literally came up this morning, this idea of psychological safety. You observe them and they look like they're a well-oiled, well-working team, but then sort of realizing that there isn't sort of this open level of conversation. Some people feel that they can't sort of safely put out their ideas or challenge other people's ideas without sort of being intellectually browbeaten. Yeah. In a nutshell, that high trust environment sounds like it's something where there's more two-way open discussion, more free-flowing of ideas, and less telling, and this is how it is, and, and more directive. It's just the free, open conversation and, and open challenges where I can challenge and not feel threatened, but also not be threatened by the challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's in those environments, it's quite common to see conflict, but conflict is about critiquing somebody or somebody else in a respectful way. So mm. conflict creates ideas. And in those kind of psychological environments where they feel safe to share, yeah. they also are not fearful of conflict. Mm, excellent. You know, some people might just think, you know, if I'm just a decent human being as a manager, then surely that's enough to sort of drive a sense of trust in the organization. But what can a manager do, like some very real things to build trust? For most managers, they are operating in sort of this average level of yeah. environment of trust. I don't want to sort of talk about low trust because that's a, a different issue. But if you're an average of low trust, what are the specific things a manager can do to lift that to an environment of high trust? Yeah, it's a good question because we want to turn all these theories into practical help for the frontline leaders, right? So look, being decent, having integrity and honesty is vital for any leader. Decency is a really good core baseline to begin with. That's right. But creating the environment, you use the word the environment, and I would say that having a regular conversation at the team level and an individual level is the easiest way to start to build trust with employees in your team. Mm -hmm. And the stats show that leaders at every level that have a team meeting, a regular team meeting, where everyone gets together and discusses you know, the priorities and the direction and the results, they are three times more likely to be engaged as a team than those that don't have a team meeting. Wow. Is that a, a stat or a piece of research that uh, might be able to share? I have some research. Right. Yeah, for sure. I can give you the stats on that. Excellent. And so that's the basis of what I'm asking leaders to do is to switch, to create that two-way flow of conversation. Stop telling and start trusting. Creating that two-way dialogue 
And being responsive to the needs of the team is, is the easiest way for a decent manager to start to build trust. Mm, okay. When you're coaching managers on building trust, what are you finding are some of the, the mental roadblocks that they may have, even subconsciously, that hinder them from building trust in their teams? So one of the big challenges that I find with leaders, particularly those that are highly technical, so they've got into people leadership roles at the front line or middle line from a technical environment, is that they firmly believe in telling because that's what was done to them. But what we know now is that telling has a very different impact in the employee's brain compared to when we have a conversation. So when we tell people, we create compliance, people shut down. But when we have a conversation, it lifts the spirits, it lifts the ideas, but it also creates a bonding mechanism and neurochemicals in the brain are released that creates bonding between employees and leaders. So helping them understand the neuroscience behind conversations is really important to push through some of the roadblocks because often leaders will say, well, telling works fine for me. Well, it might, but I'm saying that if you have a conversation that is going to lift your results even more. Excellent. And just for anyone listening, for anyone who's maybe new to our podcast, whenever our guests mention research or any sort of tools, we always provide links to those things on our fastlead.com website. That's a really great segue into, into my next question, which is, again, we've got a lot of managers who don't think or aren't consciously not thinking about trust and how they might actually build it. And just going through their everyday work life, what might be some of those common everyday activities that managers do that they may not be aware is actually eroding trust in their team? Yeah, so I'd said earlier around trust is what humanizes us at work. Our character, for example, and our authenticity is, is a big driver of trust. And so for me, this is not really that complicated thing to think about for leaders. If we break it down into what really enables us to trust somebody is that they're responsive. So, for example, if a leader ignores requests, people will stop making them. So if you ask for input or ideas and you don't use any of them or respond to any of them, it's less likely to be trusted to get given ideas in the future. Often leaders think it's all about them when in actual fact that has a really negative impact on trust in the team. So if leaders are perpetually talking about their work, their workload and their family and their home life, the employees will feel like they don't have a place in the team. And some basic rules I'll say for every leader, no matter what level you work at, is say good morning. Greetings when you're walking through your workplace really help to humanize yourself and also make employees feel involved. They also help to reduce conflict across your team. And asking rather than telling is kind of the golden rule here. So showing that as a leader, you're human, you don't have all the answers, that you make mistakes, that really helps people to trust you. But not listening and not responding are really big, big no-nos yeah. if you want to build trust. Yeah. It is surprising how managers who will just typically come in through the front door, go straight to the desk and not say good morning, just how much of an impact that has. And just such little effort, just simply making sure that you're saying good morning to everybody, yeah. the impact that that can have. 
Yeah, that's right. And I say that, you know, we're in the process of rehumanizing work at the moment. We spent the last 50 to 100 years building these bureaucracies and telling employees to leave their personality and their character at the door. And, you know, business is all about business. We know better now and we know that imagination, character, ideas are all implicitly linked to better performance and better productivity in every team and at every level. Mm. Yeah. The other thing that you said that I support and agree and I've learned the hard way ages ago is the idea of showing vulnerability. That actually really does help build trust and not being vulnerable does just the opposite. In one of my organizations a lifetime ago, I was given the nickname The Rock. And I treated that with like a badge of honor, but then realized, well, there's significant downsides to being The Rock. Absolutely. Learn that being vulnerable and sharing how you're feeling and that you might even be struggling lets people in and your team wants to probably step in and help you if they can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, being more open and being more able to empathize with others and let them empathize with you is is critical to this. Mm. All right. We always like to finish off the podcast with a personal story. I'm wondering if you might be able to share a personal story about when you had a loss of trust in terms of you personally and the impact that it had on you, or alternatively, even just the opposite in terms of where there was a lack of trust and somebody really proactively rebuilt that trust with you and the impact that that would have had. I'm totally open to sharing a personal story. So I'll give you an example in my career where I was in a very senior role working in a highly technical environment as the head of communications. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't trusted because I wasn't a technical expert in the eyes of the leadership team. Mm -hmm. And so I felt very disempowered. I hadn't lost their trust. They just didn't trust me because I was different to them. And so the impact on me was that my ideas were ignored and my expertise and capability wasn't valued. So not only was I not able to really fulfill my potential, but it also impacted my personality. It made me feel anxious. It made me feel worthless. And so that wasn't somewhere, wasn't a team that I wanted to be in. I wasn't valued. And I compare that to a different boss, two roles prior to that, who instantly gave me her trust because she knew of my credentials, a very different learning experience and a very different leader. And the difference in my results was magnificent under that leader compared to that one that didn't trust me. So being open to my views, being open to my challenge, open to a different way of doing something made me excel as well as the other people around me. So two very different scenarios, one with a high trust, one with low trust. And I can see personally, that's why I've written my book, the difference and the benefits this has for leaders and organizations. Excellent. I look forward to reading it. And those two examples reminded me of a podcast we did on situational leadership. And one of the quotes from our guest was, bear in mind that as a leader, you are the topic of conversation at the dinner table. So I'm wondering that those two managers that you talked about that you've had, what their legacy is, are they aware of how they're being potentially talked about around your dinner table, but the impact that they would have had on you in terms of your engagement and your levels of joy and happiness in terms of working for that organization. So great stories. Thank you. And then as a final thing, Paul, 
Could you briefly explain what exactly is it that you do for your clients in terms of the, the services that you provide? I work individually with leaders one-on-one as a coach and as a mentor. And I also work with organizations across their leadership team to help improve communication capability. And I guess my real focus is helping them build trust and engagement so that they can lift their impact and lift their results in their team. Great. Thank you, Paul, for joining us. Thanks very much, Darren. I've enjoyed our conversation. I'm sure our listeners have got all sorts of great hints and tips that they can immediately start applying in terms of communicating and building trust with their team. And that's our podcast for today. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Fast Leader Podcast. I'm Darren Fox, Chief Research Officer and Principal Consultant at HFL. You can email us at info at fastly.com with any questions. We'd love to hear ideas about topics for future podcasts. You can also check out the Fastlead website, fastly.com, for supporting material from this podcast. Watch out for our future podcasts as we explore each of the 14 Fastlead topics in more detail and discuss some of the latest management research, news, and topical issues of the day. And until next time, this has been the Fastleader Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.